This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to Comes a Time with Oteil Burbridge and Mike Fenoya. If you're digging the podcast, do these guys a favor and review and subscribe. It means a lot. Be sure to follow the pod on social media, YouTube, and if you're joining for bonus episodes and exclusive content, go to patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod and get on the bus. And now, here's Mike and Oteil. Hey, what up? Happy New Year. Welcome back to another episode of Comes a Time. That's Oteal. And that's Mike. What's up, Bubba? Hi, Bubba. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too, man. And a good one it is. I yeah, getting excited for Dead Ahead in Mexico. Can't wait. It's going to be a hoot. It's going to be exciting. We're all going to be there. The whole Comes a Time crew. So you're, yeah. I'm excited to... to uh, play fun uh beach games with eric and uh watch you play some tunes so it's gonna be a, a blast excited to see all the comes of time fans there keep an eye out for us folks because we're gonna be uh passing out some stickers and some uh you know say say hi take a picture do all that crap we're gonna have a good time so uh it'll be fun and oh by the way somebody's gonna be doing a comedy show right well, yeah, let's not get too, yeah, hopefully. Uh, uh, yeah, the plan is that I'll be doing stand-up. So um, I'm not sure if it's going to be on the uh, itinerary you guys get, but it may be a little pop-up stand-up, which is always fun, especially for people that aren't expecting it and don't want it. So, uh, <laughs> you know, like there are going to be people there that love it, and then there's going to be people there that are like, what the hell's going on? But it's going to be great, I promise. Uh, so I'm very excited for that. Uh, today we had a pretty cool guest. We had Andy Logan. Um, he's the founder and president of Grateful Guitars Foundation. Uh, and he's also a psychotherapist operating out of a private practice in Woodside, California. And you, I think, Otiel worked on a project with him, maybe a documentary? Yes, it's called Grateful. The music plays the band. And it's on the musical legacy of the Grateful Dead. And there are countless tribute bands. Um, Andy's also the steward of Jerry Garcia's Alligator Guitar and Martin D28 and Bob Weir's Koa and Walnut Black Knives. Wow. And two Alvarez Acoustics all played on stage with the Grateful Dead. And he has a large collection of Grateful Dead stage and used back stage used backline. So I actually would like to 
I forgot to tell him, I can I come uh, plug my base into some of those things? So, um, but he's really, really cool. This was one of my favorite conversations we ever had, right, Mike? Like, I know I always say that, but. <laughs> yeah, they're all they're all doozies. And it was just cool because I think it was just conversational. You know what I mean? Like, and it just went immediately to where it needed to go. And uh, you guys need to. Uh, this is one half of the conversation. Um, it went a whole hour longer. Um, and it's all over on the Patreon. So like, we're going to be doing a lot more of that too. So if you want to hear the full, uh, you know, full conversation, go to patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod. And, uh, we're putting a bunch of bonus content over there, but this one you're getting like two, episodes in one essentially so uh yeah he's brilliant and uh it's so nice you know it's cool when people are passionate and heartfelt and empathetic and just tuned in and he's all those yeah. in one so i appreciate him joining and he's another on the list of must-haves to come back for sure absolutely when someone's heart is as big as their mind is i really love that and uh don't forget we're also going to be shooting some comes a time uh, stuff backstage. So when we get back from home, I mean, get back from Mexico, we'll have some, the, whatever upcoming the, comes a time stuff's going to have some yummy backstage. Patreon. Yeah. Ah, see, mm -hmm. get on that Patreon folks. <laughs> <laughs> well, and thank you guys all. And thanks for the folks that are already over there. We really appreciate you. And thank you for all of you listening. And, uh, you know, if you are liking the podcast, please click subscribe. It goes so far. And, you know, I heard other podcasts saying this, and I don't think there's any shame in asking you guys, the more likes we get on YouTube and the more followers we get on socials, the bigger and badder and better guests we can get on that's currency yeah. these days and it's free for yeah. you. And all you have to do is go click the button that says you support us. So if you guys wouldn't mind doing that, uh, it takes a second and it means the world. So, uh, re leave us a review and, and all of those things. And, uh, it means a lot. And the more we put in and the more you put in, the more we can, you know, generate back towards you. So thank you for yeah. all of the support thus far. And, you know, uh, we have to be approaching. For... We have to be approaching 200 uh, soon. I would imagine. I can't remember. I lost count. But I mean, like, if you want 200 more, like, you know, this is crowd uh, funded and crowd supported. So please help us out. Help you. So thank you for all of it, guys. Yes, absolutely. And those comments help too, a lot. It tips the algorithm. And I've been yeah. trying to get on there and comment back. So thank you guys and enjoy. See you next time, everyone. Pantheon Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, 
Or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Oh man, thanks for hanging out with us today. It's good I, to see you. It's so great to see you guys. I am so excited to be here with you guys because I've watched a few of your shows and you guys get deep and I love that. I so yeah. love well, That's why we had you on because you and I have been texting and stuff and you were like, uh, well, I, sh- I should let you tell the story maybe, but you had told me like this podcast really had a profound effect on your life. And I thought it'd be cool for our fans and for me and Mike, first of all, to hear, I'm dying to hear this. what that was, you know? Well, just for me, you know, uh, watching Big Steve, because uh, he got really deep with you guys. Um, and, and just, you know, it's it's not like there was one moment per se. It's just that you guys are willing to go there. You know, um, I'm, you know, I'm a psychotherapist in my day job. And uh, um, I, I have a huge goal of making the world a better place. And, you know, one of the things that's really, really challenging is the number one cause of mental illness is repressed emotion. And it's such a basic idea, right? Um, And I wish that was all over billboards, like all over the world, because it's just such a simple idea, right? Don't repress your emotions. Um, Unfortunately, culturally, right, that's kind of all we do, right? We stuff it all down, you know, like especially mortality, the big one, right? and I'm so glad we're meeting uh, now because like the veil's thinner. This is this is a good time to get to those places, you know. Um, because one of the things I love about the Grateful Dead is the skull and roses, right? It is both, you know. If you want to yeah. do 
want to look at it like you know dyad or whatever but i like i like to think everything is gray but whatever basically you know it's all of it and we have to be able to sit in all of it and you guys do that you get deep you talk about everything and that's that's what it's all about right i mean that's why i feel like a lot of us were attracted to this you know it's not just all about um the roses and and you know sunshine daydream or whatever right it's victim oh, of the no. crime you know? right yeah 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 when life looks like easy street there's danger at your door exactly yeah and so uh i'm i'm just really excited because um i love talking about all the happy good stuff but i also um i really want to make sure it's always um with a foot in that other door because um first of all i think that's the only way we appreciate you know the really good stuff um but also just out of that um idea of not repressing right because it's so sad, you know, like when we're we're pushing down, you know, whatever those intense emotions are, those feelings, um, because we suffer internally. And then obviously, you know, that can lead to, um, you know, depression or anxiety and things like that. And whereas if we just share a little, it doesn't have to be major. I get it. Like not everybody wants to hear all about the horrible things that are going on for everyone. However, I like to let people know like this has been a, a really tough year on the family health front for me. I want people to know that because I don't want them to be like, hey man, let, let's let's talk. And then I'm a little distracted or a little weird because they don't yeah. know something's going on, right, for me. And I know yeah. that we're all really perceptive, right? So, you know, um, we pick up on these little cues. And sometimes, you know, I've, I've felt that where people are like, oh, I don't think he's into this pitch. I'm not sure he's getting into this. And it's like, <laughs> no, no, it's not it. My dad's in the hospital or whatever. Like, that's all that's going on. This isn't this isn't about yeah. what you're sharing here. So, yeah. um, you know, you guys keep it real. And um, so I'm very, very happy to be talking to you both. Thank you, man. I think we get it from the British. We have an essentially British culture because it's the stiff upper lip and all that crap, you know, <laughs> men don't cry. You know, it's like I liken it to squeezing a balloon like you think you're pushing it down or you think you're burying it. You think you're digging a hole and, bear and then covering it up with dirt. But what you're really doing is you're squeezing a balloon and then it comes out over here. Exactly. eventually that balloon's gonna pop right and so right. It's, it's better to, if you can not do a balloon but say there's a valve and you can let some air out you know gradually mm -hmm. by talking because not only do people you feel like people don't want to hear it a lot of people are scared to reveal well that's it that's it i think that's the big thing i think that once you start going down the tunnel before you can see that there's another end to the tunnel, you turn tail and run and go, I'm not going in that tunnel because it's a long, deep, dark tunnel. And no matter how many people are telling you, you're not alone. When you're in it, you feel alone. Like it's a, it's a, it, that's difficult. It's so true. In Mike. some ways I think you are alone, right? Because you're yeah, you are. specific, yeah. uh, whatever trauma or whatever, situation is unique to you right so there's some things you can only like a mama can only i can't help her with pushing the baby out you know i can hold her hand and let her cuss me out but you know yeah you and and you are you know i mean i'm sure you guys have had this experience right you know the notion of like when you're going through hard times you learn who your friends are right and sometimes it's the it's not the people you expect, right? There's some people you know who are super kind and caring. And you're like, oh, these people are going to be amazingly supportive, and then and maybe there's something going on in their life you don't know about, whatever. But maybe they just weren't as much. 
Then there's someone else who maybe you barely know and, and you feel like you only know them on a business level or something. And then they turn out to be just so empathic and warm about it. And you're like, wow, like that is so cool. They were so there for me in that time. So it is interesting how how we discover, you know, those relationships in that time. But I agree with you, Atil, that we are alone because I do feel like, um, you know, at least it feels like it intermittently because people can only do so much of, of the empathic thing, right? And sometimes they just get tapped out or whatever it is. Um, you know, even like I broke my leg in 2021 and my wife is amazingly supportive and my sons are amazingly supportive. But at some point you can feel that little cranky energy, right? Like get real tired of this, you know, and you're like laying there like, I'm sorry, I broke my yeah, leg. I know. But, you know, and I've, I've worked with uh, terminally ill patients and I know that happens yeah. too, to the worst stories, right? Mm -hmm. The worst cases, you know, people get fed up and they get kind of cranky or whatever. And it's a terrible feeling, right? Because they don't want to be judging someone who's sick. And yeah. if you're the person, you don't want to be judged for being sick. That was never a choice you, you know, you made. Mm. Yeah. But there is a sort of sense of that. I'm I'm kind of in the belief that, and I'd love your thoughts as a, a practitioner. Um, I believe that people that have gone through a certain sense of trauma, um, or a certain and look, we all have right. It's just to varying degrees and how it's affected us, whether it's long term, short term. I think that there is some uh, familial responsibility or guilt that of like, I can't be too honest or I can't be too open or I can't be too, cause it might hurt people I love or it might, yeah. you know, and then you start making excuses for people and you go, well, they tried their best or are they this or they that. And th th that's a issue. I think that a lot of generational stuff mm -hmm. is, a, is, is, is dealing with, because how do I, you know, metaphorically, how, how does, how does one, the Royal, we, <laughs> um, address and tell our story when there's characters in our story that are maybe still a part of, you know, our life and stuff. And, and, and you want to help and you want to tell your story so you can help other people, but you're scared to tell a hundred percent of it. And, and I, I think that's hard for a lot of people to, to come to terms with where it's like, no, I don't want to hurt anyone. So let me just eat this emotion. And, you know, well, we're doing it publicly too. So that's, I'm not you even, know, yeah, no. yeah, no, of course. But I, I, I yeah. So it's like the kid that, or, or a person that goes to someone they trust and they go, well, my friend is, you know, <laughs> they're well, really me, talking about them. Right. Of course. Yeah. You know? Well, what made me think about it too, is like someone was talking about, John Leguizamo, like, like someone was, it saw an interview with him after, after one of his specials where he talks about his family, like a lot. And yeah. they said like, how do your siblings feel about this? And how do you, and he goes, Oh, no one talks to me. Like my whole family's like, we're just not. <laughs> so it's almost this thing of kind of like, yeah, whether you're speaking about it on stage in a book at a, you know, conference, Ted talk, self-help, all of this, uh, trauma probably be has to do with an interpersonal relationship right and there's a 50 50 chance that those other people are still alive right so from a practitioner's standpoint like how do you help people to 
address that and own that and go, this is your story or, you know, do, do you know what I mean? Is this a, is this a, probably isn't a new notion. It, well, no, and it, it totally, you're right. It, it's kind of a core notion, right? Um, right. Yeah. You know, um, and, and historically we've been terrible at this. Um, my, both my grandfathers weren't alive when I was born. Um, one of them died in World War II and my grandmother married another man who was in World War II who was a Marine, and uh, he became a captain. Um, they called them battlefield promotions because I think when he he was on the beaches of Palau, when he got there, he was like a lieutenant or whatever, right? And because of people dying, he became... <laughs> he just kept going. Yeah. Yes. Um, and yes. and I, I was really curious about World War II because of my, my grandfather who died in the Navy. Um, and so... Um, I always wanted to ask him about it. And my grandmother, you know, she lost her first love, right, in World War II. So she probably didn't want to hear a thing about it, right? And and also because she was from that that generation where you didn't talk about it, right? So um, she would leave the room and things like that. Um, but um, I still would ask the questions because I wanted to know, you know. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, I was bold that way, I guess. But, um, you know, he told me horrendous stories about his experiences. And, um, you know, I thought a lot about that as I became a therapist, you know, um, he died without going to therapy, like yeah. probably almost everybody, right. Through those generations who went through, you know, world war two or the depression or whatever the different things are. And it's so, uh, sad. Now I, I am a spiritual person. I believe that, that we are cleansed at, at the end. I don't know why. I just feel like that's something and i felt like when he died that he was cleansed of that pain yeah um but yeah, still really sad you know to think that you walk around for decades with with this you know horrible imagery and i remember when he died i was on, i was on Kauai. we spent a lot of time there and i was looking at the blue water and the palm trees and i was like trying to imagine world war ii you know what i mean like it's so beautiful right in the in the pacific islands but not when there's war right yeah how on earth yeah hell on earth exactly like and you're trying to juxtapose like this incredible beauty and maybe you know he was from the east coast maybe he never seen any beauty like that and then also there's blood in the water and bombs and you know it's just it had to be such uh a mind you know what i don't know if i can swear on the show you um, can. yeah yeah mind buck and uh um and yet no one to talk to about it right you get back and everyone's like, we won and we're all excited and things. And, and I'll just share, like my, my grandfather died. Um, there was a typhoon um, that hit uh, in October of 45. Um, and so they were all, the Navy and the military was all in Okinawa preparing to invade Japan. Um, and they had these bombs, obviously, and they didn't know how that was going to go. So they were there to do this horrible deed. And um, at the time, um, Japan had been praying for a divine wind. And they had, uh, historically, that had been a thing. They had prayed for divine winds. And one time they had done that, like when China was coming to attack. I can't remember what years, but say like the 1500s or whatever it was. Um, and the fleet was coming to attack Japan. And they prayed for a divine wind. And a typhoon took it out. Wow. So, yeah, right. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> And so uh, the emperor was calling for prayers for another divine wind to take out the invading force that was coming. And um, amazingly, uh, it one did one did come in um, October of 45, Typhoon Louise hit. And uh, because the fleet was in Okinawa, in the Bay of Okinawa, which is, you know, like any bay would be shallow, 
the idea if you're in a in a typhoon or any a hurricane, you want to get out to sea. That's you want to be in deep water. Mm. Um, mm. So unfortunately, the uh, storm hit and uh, took out um, the fleet. Um, and uh, not the entire fleet, but uh, his boat was rolled over a reef. He was killed. Um, and if you look up Piper Louise, you'll see like just wow. Navy ships all over this beach. Um, and it wasn't, it's not well known because same kind of thing post war, we're done with hardship, yeah. you know? Yeah. You yeah. don't want to hear about that. So, you know, if you had all that trauma, you didn't get to talk about it. Nobody wanted to hear it, you know, and everybody had to dig deep, whether you were Rosie the Riveter or, or you know, somebody, uh, you know, over there, so to speak. So, yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah, that that uh, is in our history. Right. Um, and so and people, um, you know, stoicism. And I totally agree that sort of like northern European stuff. Right. Like, you know, we don't talk about things like that. Um, or, or the notion of like a gentleman is only in the paper, I think what on his wedding day and, and his, and his obituary or something, there's some saying like that, <laughs> that if you watch Sounds crown, right. yeah. they talk about that in the crown, you know, that kind of notion. Right. Um, but, um, you know, Mike, the long answer here, the way you do it is the way you did it. You, you talk, right. How we, how we deal with these things is we talk about them. So if I'm sharing a story about my dad, um, who I love, but who, you know, has faults. Um, if I'm ta talking about that to my sons um, or even like, you know, something like publicly like this, he's great. You know, he he he's a wonderful man who did the best he could with everything, all the tools he was given. And, you know, um, that moved the ball a little bit. And yeah. you know, I get to move the ball a little bit more, thankfully, because I'm a part of this generation where I feel like we've accelerated some of this stuff, you know. Absolutely. But yeah. the bottom line is that, you know, I think it's the framing, right? So if we say, you know, honey, I just want to tell you, you're an amazing chef. I love like 95% of everything you make, but I got to tell you this one dish, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's all about the framing. It sure is. It sure is about the framing. That's true. I guess the reason why I ask is because, you know, like after, you know, our podcast, O'Teal and I, and then I've talked on a couple others just about my own experience with like going through that tunnel. Um, I've talked to a lot of people and they almost kind of start to come out to me yeah. about their anxiety or depression or whatever. And I'm starting to realize it. And I'm like, Oh man, there's a lot of people holding on to a lot of stuff. And it's just this. And when you're in the funk, you think you're not, you don't think you're the only one, but you're alone in your, you know, uh, bubble but when people start to talk to you and you kind of I, I end every like if i'm talking to someone after a show because i'm trying to talk about stuff on stage more and uh people come up after and i'm like listen there's i'm sure there are like great professionals in your area like do you have insurance like check with your insurance they'll put you in touch with someone like you don't have to go through this by yourself and i'm not a doctor so you know what i mean because i'm not and i'm like i almost need to like bring like hipaa forms to like comedy clubs now <laughs> you well know? it's you know it's you because say you can't afford to go i know see someone you know a lot of people like i know way 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 in the past it's that's what community it's like black people had that church environment where you know it's like getting all the emotions out the music and stuff and there's like a support system there not yeah. that there weren't deep dark secrets in there too but if you could find someone that has been through the same thing 
you know, and then you know you can open up to them about that. Because sometimes, you know, the being honest will isolate you. Like sure. with your family and stuff, everybody's not ready to open up at the same time. Right. You know, everybody's not ready to even acknowledge that at some point they should probably open up at the same time. Yeah. So when your flower blooms and it's like, I need, I'm ready to get the sun on my face and you're digging out stuff and, and especially when it starts to help yeah. and you go, Oh my God, this is such a cathartic thing. And then you want to help other people and then they just clam right up, you know, right, cause right. they're just not ready yet for that kind of honesty. So it's like, if you could just kind of keep your eye open and I've reached out in every way that I can. I mean, obviously we're doing this now with the podcast, like intentionally trying to be more brave. Yeah. Yeah. And even if they can't talk to us, they can like get a little more courage, you know, cause it's yeah. hard, man, that, that aloneness. But then there's also the other side where I'm, I'm sure both of you have been through the thing where maybe you've come through something and you see someone in whatever addiction or trauma, post-trauma, and you see where they're at in their arc and you try to help them, but they're not ready yet. Yes. And it's like, and you can watch them die from their addiction because you can't help them unless they let you. That's the most frustrating. Yeah. Totally. And, and from the side of the healing one, like as a therapist, I have watched intergenerational traumas be hugged out in an hour. Yes. It's so As, simple. It's so if, simple. If, if they just if, had to talk it out, like if, put yeah. it, admit it. I saw this with a band. They, you know, when, remember when Metallica had that therapy session yeah. for the band, yeah. you know, and I've been in the bands where, you know, they just been through five wives, but they never had any therapy for each other. So the band's been together way longer than any of their relationships, but the relationships are toxic. You know, and it's, there's this one, a lot of the younger bands after watching Metallica are like, hey, you know, um, maybe we should get some therapy. So I won't say the name, but this friend of mine, he said, dude, we, <laughs> we got a therapist and we talked every, you know, everybody into coming and sitting out. And they found out that one guy had thought that two of the other guys had stolen this might really not even, I think it was like 10 grand or something. I don't forget what it was, but he thought they had stolen some like 12, 15 years way back. Right. And they were like, dude, that's what this is. And so they were like, they drug out the books and they were like, you look like, wow. And, and it's like, oh, sorry. You know, it's just yeah. like, yeah. this is the thing about stuffing it down. Like when you say I've seen intergenerational stuff get hugged out in an hour there just needed to be that push for the courage to be honest the courage to show up the courage to admit what it is and then you would be like oh with that light on the dark situation it can sometimes it can and that feels that's got to be amazing for you as a therapist like it is i wish it wasn't rare though i mean i hate to say it <laughs> It is rare, you know, and it's yeah. sad. Just part of me is like, you're just like, if we could just get to there at this all, it's like a combination lock. If we could just get everybody like, at the same time. Your point, it doesn't happen very often. People get resistant. And and a part of it too, you know, is 
the addicted to the drama idea and, you know, to use pop psych term, but that's, but that's sort of a part of it, right? People, some people don't want to let go of whatever that old beef is and, and it's serving some, something and you know it might not be a you know a good thing per se but but it's still serving something for them in their in their mind and they don't want to let i think that's our culture too though because uh uh you see it politically um and i'm just now starting to rise above that of course it's because i think there's no good guys now but i i think we would rather have somebody to blame than be willing to compromise so it's like you're just totally evil and you know like the craziest conspiracy theorists i've said this multiple times on the podcast you know they talk like i use pizzagate okay mm-hmm. but there's a it's not a small kernel it's a big ass kernel of truth in there that crosses both sides because we know this with jeffrey epstein because i'm here where it happened i'm 20 minutes from west palm where all that went down and it's like the private island and the private planes and now i know you know i'll get private gigs on a private island and i'm like hey you know what uh, i yeah, don't mean I to be suspicious yeah. yeah but you know when i got I took a chance because my other buddies went and there's like i'll see all the wives are there i'm like cool we're there all the wives are here but you know not to get off the track but it's like if we could realize that we have more to gain by trying to not always just shoot at everything down because that i almost think the pizza gate was a disinfo thing to and that's my conspiracy mind but i know how this shit works and so it's like oh they're on the track so let's throw them this bone that's going to be like totally ridiculous so that now we don't have to discuss epstein and across both sides of the thing so that's just one example you know how many other things are there like that yes they're like you can't trust your government i'm with you but then there's all the other stuff that's so far out and i'm like if i could but if i were to say i agree with you here now can we start from this kernel and come somewhere to the middle you know We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back after this. So my 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 son, my oldest son is a philosopher and so we talk a lot about philosophy and psychology in my house. What a fun and, house you guys have. I'm sorry. Woo. You just said my son is a philosopher. What an unbelievable, <laughs> like, that's, wow. I don't, that's the first time I've ever heard that sentence. And it's a badass sentence, dude. <laughs> Next time you're here in the Bay, come hang with us. Yeah. 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 It's really fun. Yeah. And so, you know, um, but, but a lot of it is, you know, um, going, breaking it down, right. That's really the key. And so like when you talk about politics or whatever, if we just took the time to say, what do you, what do you want from life? Right. Mm. Obviously. Right. The same things. Exactly. 
right? You wouldn't yeah. see the Delta that you see, right? The Delta is, I think, massively overhyped by our, I mean, the media, right? I mean, you know, I know free press is good and all that, but but yeah, money, clickbait, you know, feeding all the fighting online, you know, instead of the puppy photos and the cool things, you know, they made, and this is where Silicon Valley, my area is to blame, you know, they made the clicking all about anger and, you know, negativity. Um, and because we have negativity bias, right, that's a very important idea as a psychotherapist, right? We all have negativity bias. We are wired that way. And, you know, people say, okay, why are we wired that way? Well, it's because evolutionarily, right, if you walked upwind of a, a tiger or whatever, or a bear, and you live to tell it, you beat the crap out of yourself about it because you mm. fucked up. You were an idiot. You know, you really blew it. And you had to beat the crap out of yourself to keep yourself alive. And actually, like talking about anxiety, like human beings are descendant from the most anxious. <laughs> Truly. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually in our DNA. <laughs> yeah. I was listening to a I was listening to a a thing on NPR this morning about oh. how it's like the Neanderthal uh DNA. Um, if you wake up early, if you tend to wake up earlier in the day, I heard this this morning, if you tend to wake up earlier in the day, you have more of a Neanderthal strain of DNA oh. because they were alert earlier and kind of like you slept to recharge early, yeah, early bird and you had to wake up and be like, all right, is the woolly mammoth like attacking? Is someone taking my food? Like there's this like, it, you know ancient kind of survival brain that gets Sleeping you up faster. with one eye open yeah exactly and that's an anxiety <laughs> i mean anyone with anxiety knows i mean when i was going through the thick of it my brain would start spinning out of control before my eyes even opened so yeah, it was yeah. just like first yeah. thing first thing it was like what'd you what'd you screw up yesterday that you have to fix now what didn't you get yeah. done that was on that list and then by then I'm exhausted and I haven't even opened my eyes. <laughs> and I can't laugh, rest, but, but no, yeah, it's true. It's, like, yeah, it's good to laugh about it now. But I mean, at yeah. the time I was like, <laughs> and I could see how someone who doesn't know you could get help would wake up and open a beer or wake oh, yeah. up and do a line or wake, wake up and, and bake. Yeah. Right. Wake and bake. Like right. I, I just quit smoking pot and it was like probably five days ago. Wow. And that's not, it's not, it wasn't like ruling my life, but I was like, what are you trying to dull down? Even if you're just trying to dull it down, like, what are you afraid of, man? You've quit this before. I went two years without smoking pot, like around the year 2000, mm. you know, but, um, but I just like, and I am facing, you know, my, I'm just now is no dull anything, you know, and I'm only five days in, but I'm like, I'm going to do this because I'm glad you said that about the Neanderthals because I'm going to remind myself of that. You know, that hyper anxious, they got wiped out. Yeah. It didn't work. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and what's interesting, right? What wiped them out? Things they can't control. And that's really what it boils down to is the thing of like, yeah, you can be vigilant and you can yes. freak out about stuff, but can you control? Is it about There's something? There's a line. Right, yeah. right. And that's There's where to me, love and fear. You know, that's where that comes in, where it's like, am I just scared right now of nothing? You know, and that's, that's, I a think lot we're of always scared generational that, stuff. I think we're always scared that love is not wrong. I mean, that love is not right. Cause love says, 
ultimately I, it's going to be okay or we can get you through the worst i right. can get you through the worst if i were to personify love right yeah. and then the fear says bullshit look at the neanderthals bullshit look at hiroshima and nagasaki bullshit like you could throw up a million things to call love a liar but those right. things are eventually going to destroy you if you listen to it and if you actually listen to love it'll save you and i really believe that yeah you know and maybe we, i'm wrong but i'm i'm putting my chips over there this time well you said you said something earlier that made me think of a line from uh one of the recent wilco albums uh tweety has a lyric that says there's no middle when the other side would rather kill than compromise and it's mm -hmm. just this thought of kind of like when you're in you know you do the work or you you know look at things from love and then you look at the other side and they're looking at things from fear and hate and close-mindedness it's hard to have a middle it's hard to have a meeting ground when the other side is literally like i'd rather die than say you're right and i'm wrong like i'd rather yeah. die than go i'm sorry or i'm i'd rather and that's a you know and that's to to you know go back to even the earlier just like how you deal with this stuff from a psychoanalytical standpoint like when you want there to be a middle ground but the other side is everything's divided right everything is po everything's 50 50. but sometimes yep. that's a yet thing too you know i've always constantly going back to the word yet and it's 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 harder macro um because sometimes that yet it's going to take a much longer time but like I know from, so I feel that's why I want to move to another country for instance, because I'm like, they ain't ready yet, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and by the time they're ready, it's gonna be like so bad that I just need to, st I need to move away from it. But now I'm thinking, you know, it's like Dan Carlin said, he had this podcast called Hardcore History. And, um, he said, as a historian, I've seen just when you think something's gonna go a certain way, the force or the universe or whatever you wanna call it deals a wild card out. And he, you'll see it in Genghis Khan, fall the Roman empire, you know, Napoleon, like whatever, he'll just go through it and he goes and here comes the wild card. So again, when you feel like it's hopeless, like right now, it looks like we're headed for a second civil war. Like I was encouraged that Trump got, that he can't do his thing in Colorado, but I know that ain't gonna fix it because when you squeeze that balloon this way, right? And so it feels hopeless. It feels like unavoidable. But I'm also keeping an eye out for the wild card, mm -hmm. you sure, know, sure. And that's yeah, the part hope. of me where it's like, exactly. If there, if you could still believe, if you could still have some kind of hope in the darkest of times, it's hard to, it's really hard to, to put your chips on that when it seems like such a friggin' long shot. Totally. You know? And as men as well, right? I mean, because you mentioned and Western men right now in this location and time, right? Yeah, we're not being raised in the way that I wish personally on that front, right? I mean, I, I was a little league coach um, for a little bit when my sons were doing that. 
And it was fascinating watching how the boys were treated, right? Um, and, and just as a window into my own upbringing and things, because like, as an example, you know, you're the coach, you're on the mound a lot, helping pitch or watch everything. Yeah. And invariably, you know, the kid gets beamed with a line drive, you know, on the mound. And, um, you know, so he's lying there on the ground crying and I'm a therapist. So I'm like, oh, buddy, that looked like that really hurt. Oh, man. You know, and I'm joining. Right. That's what we call that. I'm joining him. Um, and then out runs his mom and she lifts him up and is saying, you're good. You're fine. Basically, shut up. I mean, yeah, he's not fine. <laughs> he's not fine. And and I watch him, you know. You know, all those things. Right. And I'm like, oh, you yeah. know, because but that's not even the worst of it. How do you deal with the sports parent, the dad that's, you know, like where you're just oh, like, yeah. I'm terrified of this because Nigel's eight and he doesn't really like sports, but um, he doesn't like team sports. But I live in fear of like the sports dad that's just a complete barbarian making his kid cry. Oh, and if that's not how you do and I or even if I see it with myself shades of it not in sports but other things you know it's like wow how am I going to deal with this guy because in our culture right now in Florida <laughs> you know I could get shot yeah I'm like hey man it's a kid you're ruining the game for me you shut up right. um, but you know it's like whoa man I'm, let's not a get in a fight or somebody get hurt maimed or die over this game you know like how do you deal with that right and there was a dad i remember killed at a hockey game in massachusetts a few years back I yeah never read it. yeah god like yeah what dad, yeah, a, absolutely like, it happened there's fights all the time my my buddy coaches soccer for his three daughters and it's like i went to a game and i watched them play and the other team is sitting right at the same you know what i mean like yeah, they're, they're sharing like <laughs> Literally, it's like you're you're sharing bleachers with like your enemy. Yeah, the, the I guess. Enemy. I mean, it's one town over. It's an imaginary line that a town made in a on a map two hundred years ago. But still, I died for my county. That's yeah. what Colonel yeah, Bruce right? yeah, said. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, like we're sitting there, and it was like you know, there's a, a kid tried hard and just like slid, tackled, and like cleated a kid in the leg, and the kid fell, and then the dad's yelling at the ref to kick that kid out of dirt playing dirty and then this dad's like hey shut up that's my kid you know teach him how to do this and then it's just their egos are now it's got nothing to do with the kids it's got nothing to do with the kids it's got everything to do with these two and i'm like oh man this is gonna get and then finally one dad's like all right both of you shut up and it shut him up but i mean yeah i could see it escalating to waiting for him that's in the parking lot and <laughs> yes yeah. i know where you live yeah. oh because we just had a i just was did an interview with Mark Henry, the world's strongest man, who still his records haven't been broken. Wow. And collectively, you know, and he's this hulking black dude. And he's like, you know, I feel like I was born to shut that stuff down because he can walk up to somebody and be like, yeah. do we have a problem? And they're just like, okay, never mind, you know. Yeah, but yeah. in this hyper whatever society, I don't want to blame it on Trump because it's not him. I was going to say hyper Trumpy society. He's the symptom. Yeah, I agree. What's the word I'm looking for that I would replace with Trump, Andy? <laughs> the hyper. Oh, it's intense and sensitive and cranky. And edgy. Yeah. And 
you know, I mean, I hate whatever to even the, use... the adjective of a powder keg. Yeah. Yeah. Like you could even like Mark Henry can't stop a bullet. Like in this time, somebody could be like, yeah, you embarrass me in front of everybody else. I could give you and an example. I had example. to back down, but I'm going to catch you and yeah. I'm going to pop a cap. You know what I mean? Like, what are we doing? I'll give yeah. you an example of something that just happened to me the other day. I was it's a very awkward intersection where you kind of have like a, a sharp left, a regular left, and then kind of like a wide left. And there's exits from like a Home Depot and a bank. And it's just a cluster. And I was taking kind of like a wide left and somebody else was taking a right out of a like Lowe's or Home Depot or whatever cuts me and a couple other cars off and a couple people beep and the guy slams the brakes and rolls down his window and he's got a full sledgehammer and he's holding it out the window <laughs> and he's just swinging it and he's going and then he brings his hand back in and he's going come on come on come up here and he's like sticking his head out the window like he wants to kill someone mm -hmm. like he's like just give me a reason to kill you and he's got a, a, a full sledgehammer. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, a, like the handle was like this. And he's See, got here, it out his window in a van. If, and he's like swinging <laughs> it against his van. And I'm like, if you do that shit here, you know what's going to happen? The other car, a little hand's going to come out with a gun and be like, really? That's the thing, really? man. And it's like, you want to do this? Right. And but I'm if, like, what are we doing? If you're crazy <laughs> enough to have a sledgehammer out the window, <laughs> I mean, I'm guessing the sledgehammer isn't the most dangerous thing in the car, first of all. And also, I like, why are you gonna? I, I, I just to me, you keep that sledgehammer in there. Like you're, you're waiting, you're essentially waiting for something. Give me a reason. I couldn't believe it. To I like, not... what kind of mindset is that? I know, and that's, that's common. A, that's common. Oh, dude, I see stuff on the highway that's just, and we've we've talked about it a lot. But I mean, yeah, it's just everything's ready to pop off at any moment. You know? And it's this repressed emotion, and that's what and that's what's so interesting. And I think, especially too, for for us guys, right? Yeah. Because, because we are where we are told that when we lead with love or kindness, that it's weakness, right? And mm -hmm. strong men have that idea, and you know, I don't cry, I don't say I'm sorry, right? You hear that a lot, and you know, we all know that's bullshit, right? It's way harder to cry. It's way harder to apologize for something that you did. Right. And, and, you know, Mike, you hit it on the head a, a minute ago, whatever, when you're saying ego, that's the problem. Like my son and I, that's what we talk about all the time. This is a battle against ego. Right. And, and that's really what's happening here. You know, um, yeah. we, human beings have this belief that, it's all about them and our culture builds this up, right? With clickbait and all the different things. And, and there's this notion, you know, and I'm, I'm in the, in the Valley here. So I see a lot of uh, clients here who are in, in high tech and things like that. Um, so Larry Ellison is like an idea, you know, that people want to be like him, right? Super wealthy and all these ideas of, of having all the power and you get to win America's cup and be the richest guy and all these things. Um, but you know, I, obviously, because I live here, I also hear all the stories of the other sides of those coins, right? The the more personal human stories that aren't so positive and rosy, right? And so people, um, you know, we don't know the personal karma of some of these human beings, right? They might look happy and rich and all that, you know, even using Trump as an example, the guy doesn't look very happy to me, right? You know, he looks like he's in his own personal hell, yeah. right? So, you know, um, but it is all about that ego, right? Um, you know, we we think that we're we're building ourselves up for something as if, you know, and like I said, I used Larry as an idea, 
like you're going to get a first class suite if you die having a resume like Larry else. Right. Um, that's the way we all live our lives as if that is a true fucking statement that you're going to you better do all these things because when you die, you're going to get checked into the Rosewood in heaven and you're, and they're all, oh, wow, look at this list. This is really important. <laughs> you did all these amazing things, but that's a big gamble, right? Time is so precious. And, yeah. and what are we doing here? And so like for, for me, you know, um, you know, like I said, I, I grew up with, uh, out my grandfather's, my uncle also was killed in the car wreck. So there was a lot of loss in my upbringing and my parents were divorced when I was young. And just for whatever reason, a lot of people die around me and Mike, you know, and OT, I know you're the same, uh, we are the kind of people that, that people talk to, right? And and I love it, you know, I truly do. I mean, it's not yeah. always you know, to take these phone calls or whatever it is, you know, but but thank God, you know, people come and tell you their story and they tell you your stuff, their stuff. And then you, you feel great because someone's confided in you and you're sharing, you know, your support and stuff like that. But also, you know, you're not alone, right? You know, when you hear these stories, hey, these guys struggle with this, I struggle with this, okay. So we're not alone, but it is a little different as a guy because all the messages that we get are don't cry, right? It's that mom who runs out to the mound to say, don't cry. And, you know, I believe the reason is, is because it's more upsetting. You know, if you picture a guy on the street and he's, and we've all seen this, right? Swearing and yelling and whatever, you maybe cross the street or whatever, but basically it's not that strange to see an angry man on the street. But if you see a, a man sobbing uncontrollably on the street, that's going to mess with you. That's yeah. going to, that's going to be strange to see. And, and I, so what I think what's kind of happened here is we've, we want, you know, these moms don't want their boys to cry because when the men cry, it's really bad. Whatever it is, is really, really uh, bad. Right. Yeah. So, and I get that, like, I get the impetus for that. Hey, I don't want the boys to cry. Cause when the men cry, it means whatever's going on is horrible. Right. We're in, you know, World War II or whatever the thing is, we're in something really bad. Um, so I get the motivation behind that, right? But the reality is we all have hearts. We all need to cry. We need to process these things. And then when we do, we get to the other side. So like I'm, yeah. a, I'm a surfer and, and I've tried to teach people to surf sometimes. And a lot of times like you're paddling out to go out and there's the big line of breakers. And I've had a few people get right in the line of breakers. And they're like, nope, no, dude, I'm not going any farther. I'm not going any farther. This sucks. I'm getting my ass kicked. And I'm like, no, trust me, 10 more yards. We're outside the breakers and it's going to be great. But nobody wants to, nobody wants to go out there. Right. You got to go through the breakers. So it's like such my, a metaphor for so many things. Right. Right. And so like my practice is the Robert Frost quote, you know, the only way out is through because there, I would argue most people in society are on the beach. They're looking out at the waves. They're like, fuck that. I'm not going out there. Yeah. Whereas the people who are lucky in a sense, and I agree with you completely that it comes from trauma, right? I mean, I can feel it, right? We all have a story. We all have gone through these things. And that's what gives us in a good way, like the, the confidence to share our hardships, because we know, we know it is safe on the other side of those breakers. We paddled through it because we kind of have, maybe we're forced to, but whatever, we see that, right? And we're just like, hey, it's okay. You know, you can, you can be hurt. You can be sad. We can cry because the other side is so awesome. That's the thing though, right there. You can be hurt. Like the fear is not necessarily wrong. It's, you know, a breaker, it's called a breaker. <laughs> you know, like, it'll beat your ass up, you know, but 
but it's like I can't imagine like having a baby. I always use this analogy for so many things, but it's like (laughs) women are just built for, you know, I believe emotionally, psychologically, and obviously physically. You see it, you've seen like we all got here that way, but man, it's like when it's my stomach's this big, you know, and the canal's this big. (laughs) It's coming. There's no stopping it. So when you can stop it, when you can go, no, I'm not walking into that, getting beat up like that or getting hurt that bad. Of course, how many women would back out if there was a chance to stop it? Right, right. And it's like that thing of like, you know, and, and, and to the point you were making about the breakers, I have two things like the fear, is it rational or irrational is something that I think that cognitive behavioral therapy has helped me quite a bit with where it's like on a scale from one to a hundred, if this thing happens, is it going to kill me? Like it, 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 you know, like you have to feel sore when you first start working out and then you get over the aches and then you feel incredible. And it reminded me of one of the first times I had one of the ketamine infusions. I had a vision of approaching a waterfall of sand. And I just remember it being very grainy and and I was approaching it and I was scared. I'm like, if I run into this, I'm going to die. And I couldn't stop Mm -hmm. myself. And I went right through it and to the other side. And I had that moment of like, I'm alive. Like I did it. There's nothing to be afraid of, you know? And it was this irrational fear. And it almost was kind of like, that's the thing I loved about the treatment was it, 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 it personified, it gave me like visuals to irrational fears that I was able to see and go through and then look back and go, Oh, I'm still here. Like, it's okay. And that literally changed the tune. Like it flipped the album and I was playing a whole new side of it, you know? And I think that's such an important thing that you said about like, you know, it's such an an interesting like thing to remember is just go through it and get to the other side. And it's a scary place, but it's so great. It's a good scared. It's a, it's a rational fear. It's not an irrational fear. You know, exactly. find out find out where the line really is, because sometimes the rational fear is rational, like mm, the, with the course. surfing, right? But there's where do you think the line is? I think is not necessarily true, right? Mm-hmm. So then now we get up to the line, and when we have that trust or that whatever, like you say, if we are given a mindset, yep, where do you say like it personified it? So now that so it gave me a way of looking at it because I have such a strong belief about this that our mindset, like when I, as I deal with my anxiety or whatever now that I quit smoking pot, I, I think it's Harry Potter's, I always go back to it. But, you know, they have these things called the Dementors, right? Yep. And they suck, they feed on all of your negative emotions. Yeah. And they will literally suck the life out of you till you die. And the Patronus charm is you think of the happiest thought you can think, and then you, you cut it loose. Right. And that it's personified as a light and then it it chases them away. And I think that's our mindset, right? So if we can figure out how to get in the mindset where we can go up to the line of where we think that the rational fear 
stops and then death is on the other side of it. And then you find out, oh, it was not there. Yeah. But you can't without that mindset. So now I'm just like, I do this now that I quit smoking pot. I'm like, okay, you feel I I work out and now I've uh, got some of the physical anxiety, stretch that rubber band out. And then now how do I flip my mindset? And sometimes, like you were saying before, Andy, like you could see a massive change like that. Yeah. Right. It's really, it's almost amazing. miraculous. Yeah. It's Cause it's, <laughs> and it's a combination can... lock though, right. For each human being. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's a great way to think about it. Right. Because, because for some people, like some people say to me, like, how do you do therapy? Like, God, does it drive you crazy dealing with all these different people's problems? <laughs> What's so interesting is that each person is different on how to unlock that thing. And I don't know what it is for each person. Like you mentioned that Harry Potter part, you know, he, he was saved by the buck. And what did he do? He thought it was his parents or his dad. He or thought whatever. it was his dad. Yeah, and Hermione goes, that was you. Yeah, he yeah. minimized himself, right? Which is very human, right? Because again, that negativity bias. But then it's like, then you find out, hey, that was you. And it's that like, you. like, I have all this power. I can't believe it. And and to me, that's one of the wonderful things, right? I mean, you know, bring it back to the Grateful Dead, you know, because there's all this magic and and all this power in our community, I think that's what deadheads start to see is that, you know, um, and I don't think this is religious, what I'm about to say, we're all God's children. We are all children of this world. And thusly, we have this amazing ability and light and multifaceted, you know, diamonds, if you will. And we're all that. And so when, we, when we're seeking a strong man or someone else to solve the problem, you know, I get it. Like I get, we all want to be scooped up and everyone, you know, have that be, but the reality is it's in all of us. Right. And, and really just do that with each other and be collaborative. Right. That's what we talk a lot about in our house is like, because ego is the enemy, then collaboration is the right. And that's why I think our community is so powerful because we know that as deadheads, right. We just know it. I mean, you started going to shows when I was a teenager and, and I love the ethos, but I think the reason was, I mean, I went through a lot of hard stuff, like I was mentioning, and the dead were my family, you know, and are my family, but it's because I was loved unconditionally. I could be a kid from Greenwich, Connecticut, or, or you know, from Indiana, it doesn't matter where you're from, or, or where, how much money you have, or what color you are, or anything, you have the, the absolute freedom to be who you are in this space. And, and that is what we do as therapists, right? We we do what they call unconditional positive regard. And essentially it's unconditional love. And it's what we wish we got from all of our parents, you know, and I love my parents, but parents have hopes for us, right? They, they want you to be something or they think your hair should be this length or you should wear these clothes or whatever these things are. There's little conditions that you feel and those conditions, you know, they create tension essentially. Right. And so, but when we can accept fully and as a therapist, that's what, that's what we do. We, we, our job is to have someone tell us what's going on for them. And then we help them get what they want, not what we want, what they want. You mentioned before that you're really into the environment. And I know that your job with Chevron is really lucrative, but have you thought about like that tension there, you know? And so we, we poke at those things to help people see that, but, but no matter what it is from that same ethos, you know, and to me, that's what Jerry was all about, right? No bullshit. It's going to be genuine. And, and thusly, we're going to love you fully for who you are, 
and and you could be a hell's angel or you know a priest or whatever it doesn't matter you know you've got value right yeah. and so that feeling i think is what would definitely attract so much of so many of us to this scene because we feel like we're being held in a good way that we're being loved and and we are thusly kind to each other because we see how that's so great excuse me brother you know that kind of vibe right and yeah. and so then we feel this amazing empowerment because we see how if we can do this scene, you know, at Oracle Park in July, why can't we do this scene, you know, all over the whole world, right? Yeah, that's yeah. that's been a big motivation for me. With you know, whether it's uh, you know, Grateful Guitars, but especially like this documentary, you know, I I, I love doing psychotherapy but it's still one person at a time. And so as I've gotten a little older, I'm kind of like, God, I got to somehow get this, these messages out. Cause they're, yeah. it's not rocket science, you know? And, and one of the, the frustrations I have is it is we used to teach philosophy. We used to teach psychology in high schools, right? Yeah. Now, what do we teach? It's all hyper-focused on STEM. And why is it on STEM? Because we've decided that like, those are the skills that matter, you know, and we're going to, and then you're going to become, you know, something in tech, and then maybe you'll be a venture capitalist, and then you'll be rich. And that's really what we're all about here, isn't it? You know, it's just about that. And it's so uh, against the, the, what humans need, right? We need to remember that we do our best work when we are collaborative, right? When we're all together, when we're arm in arm. And that's what you saw in the Grateful Dead, right? I mean, it's, it's ironic because the Grateful Dead has morphed so much, you know, yeah. over time. And I think you, you kind of see, you know, the different entities. Um, I, I have a nickname for the shadow side of that, which is the Greedful Dead, right? Yeah. We have, <laughs> we have, we have and and sometimes I'll say that to people I work with. I'm like, oh, I don't know. That feels a little grateful that or whatever. <laughs> or, or, or that person's kind of playing in that pool because it's not, it, it really ideally wouldn't be about ego, right? Because when we yeah. truly work in collaboration, when we, when we strive for high core values, we are liberated. You know, we, we don't have, it's not about us. It's about that up there. Right. right and so you, yeah. you take it apart and you say, well, gosh, we're just, we're at a soccer game you know, we decided that it's Wilton versus New Canaan and, and there's a line between the two, but, but someone drew a map, as you said, just to decide that Wilton is here and New Canaan is here. And so you have to hate each other now. It's like, well, yeah. wait, why, why does that have to be, you know, like I used to work with, with kids uh, in, in, in gangs and, and like, I totally got the belonging part. Like, that's awesome. Yes. That's how they get you. That's how the clan right. gets, they take these kids that are, that have no, They've come from the most toxic home situations and they, and they go, they give you a brotherhood. So I get that part, right? but, but now it's based on well, who we're against. Yeah. yeah. And that doesn't have to be there, right? We don't need that part. We can do the belonging without the hating. Yes. Yeah. One it. thing that strikes me about the Grateful Dead community too, is the way it looks at the way it deals with masculinity. Like when you could see a guy in a dress, like, you know, people are afraid to dance. Because yeah. now everybody's looking at me and you know, but <laughs> this dude can be dancing weird yeah. and he's totally into it. Yeah. And he could actually be not only just look weird, like this used to be considered looking weird. It probably still doesn't, but he could be in a dress and dancing like just nuts. And everybody's like, cool, man. You know, that's pretty significant. Yeah. That's pretty, yeah, how many really other is. places 
in Western society nowadays do you find that? Drummer from my favorite band, Fish, wearing a dress every show. And people go, is that the band wearing a dress? I go, oh, yeah, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. is it. Yeah. You got it. Yep. You know, because then that empowers everyone else. Yeah. Gentlemen, I don't want you, I don't want to end the conversation, but I have to roll. So <laughs> you guys keep going or come back on whatever you guys would like. But um, I have no, to bounce because I got to go to the dentist. But uh, do you get do your thing, man? We'll see you. Come, <laughs> please come back again. Anytime, Mike. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, this was incredible. All right. I love it, too. Anytime. And good luck with your surgery. I hope it goes well. And happy uh, holidays. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Happy holidays. See you soon. Take love care. You, dude. Pantheon Media presents Comes a Time featuring Mike Finoia and Oteil Burbridge. Executive produced by Christian Swain and Peter Ferrioli. Produced and edited by Eric Limarenko and Stu Silverman. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Comes a Time with Mike Fenoya and Oteil Burbridge. Be sure to follow the pod on social media, YouTube, and if you're jonesing for bonus episodes and exclusive content, go to patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod and get on the bus. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.